0: Welcome to the She Surrenders podcast. I'm Sherry, and I wanna share everything I can with you about recovery and what happens when you surrender your addiction to God and say yes to a whole new life. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the She Surrenders podcast. I'm glad you're here with us today because I have a very special guest. I have Olivia Brower with me. She is a licensed clinical social worker, And she is also licensed in accelerated resolution therapy. I was so worried I was going to say that wrong. Commonly called ART or A-R-T. And um, there's one more thing I have to tell you about Olivia. She is my daughter. So this is really special to have her on here and spend the morning with her so we can see each other. And uh, welcome, Liv.
1: Thanks, Mom. Happy to be here. (laughs)
0: Well, we've been trying to do this for a long time, so I'm glad that we both are finally making it happen. So, And selfishly, like I said, I get to spend an hour with you this morning, so it's all good. So I have watched you on your journey going from high school to college to getting your master's and then working in this field. And I know you work primarily with young women. You Mm -hmm. seem to have found your niche there. And especially through COVID and all the teletherapy, telehealth, yeah. I should say. So, but it was probably a little over a year ago, you started telling me about ART. Would that be right about then?
1: Yeah, I was trained probably six to nine months ago, I think at this point. So, but I've been talking about it long before then, as I heard more and more about this exciting new therapy. Yeah,
0: yeah. So... As you, yeah, you were definitely very excited about it. And um, I believe you were watching someone else that you work with have success with this before you got certified. So, and I maybe it was last year, one of the times you were home um, or earlier this year, that you started talking to me about um, the benefits that ART could have in addiction and helping with overcoming that. So, that just spurred on more conversation. So we're going to talk about that too. But first of all, why don't you share with us, what is ART?
1: Yeah, so ART or ART is an eye movement-based therapy that was developed by Lady Rosenzweig to address trauma. Um, it was certified as evidence-based by the National Registry of Evidence-Based Programs and Practices in 2015. So compared to a lot of our traditional talk therapy, it's a relatively new therapy Um, It has a lot of roots in the more well-known trauma therapy of EMDR, which is another eye movement therapy. And the creator, Lainey, actually was trained in EMDR before she made the changes that made art art. Um, So kind of one of the theories of how it works is that eye movements are thought to kind of mimic REM sleep. And REM sleep is when we think that our brain kind of consolidates and processes different memories and experiences that we go through. And so since we can kind of consciously do that, in art, we can kind of tap into that power that our brain naturally has to kind of heal itself and process emotions, which I think is so cool that God has given us that ability to use our eyes to kind of reach into our brain and kind of tap into that way that our brain naturally works. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So our focus is largely with symptoms, sensations, and images We believe that by working with sensations and images, we can change the way that trauma continues to impact people because of the way that the body holds on to and stores trauma. Um, One important thing to note is that you will never forget the facts about your experiences or what has happened to you. I think that a lot of people are worried that we're brainwashing them or hypnotizing them, but that is not the case. Um, The tagline of art is actually keep the knowledge, lose the pain. And so the goal Mm -hmm. is to kind of get rid of the symptoms, sensations, and images that are causing distress in your daily life. Um, I thought that a really good quote of kind of what the process looks like I took right from the art website, and the the quote is, with art, the process is very straightforward. Safely with the therapist reassuring presence, the client undergoes sets of eye movements while silently recalling the traumatic scene. This phase of the art therapy usually lasts from 30 seconds to about 10 minutes. Physical and emotional reactions are addressed through these sets of relaxing eye movements. This recall causes the window of opportunity to make client-selected favorable changes to the memory to open. Um, so I thought that was just a really good kind of summary of the process of how you kind of go through that memory and then we take you through different steps to kind of desensitize you to that memory and then positivize it is kind of Art's tagline. Um... Another huge positive of art is for a lot of people, you don't have to talk about all the details of what happened. And so art was originally developed with combat veterans. And so people who don't want to talk about all the details of what they've experienced, and it's hard to talk about all of those details. Um, So really interestingly, I can go through a full art session with a client and have no idea what they're working on. And it can be just as effective, which is really cool.
0: Um, Wow. So for the person that doesn't want to come in and talk about the trauma first for a whole bunch of sessions before you address it, this can be very beneficial.
1: Yeah. The therapist never has to know all of the details, which is really cool. Um, Wow. Yeah. And an art session is typically 60 to 90 minutes and clients will typically find relief from their symptoms in one to five sessions, um, which is really cool. You kind of target one specific thing per session. And for that specific thing, I've never had a client need more than two sessions to kind of work through that trauma, which is amazing.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Is EMDR still a thing or is everybody kind of transferring over to doing this instead?
1: Yeah. So EMDR is still a huge thing. I'd say it's still um, a super effective therapy tool and it's probably more accessible just because there are a lot more trained therapists in EMDR. like I said, another really great therapy and great tool. Um, there are just some key differences between the two. One of the biggest being that art is more directive. Um, the therapist really leads you through a script and through different steps. Um, and Lainey, the creator actually has a really great article, um, that I can kind of provide in the show notes about the main differences between EMDR and ART for those who are interested.
0: Okay. Okay. So what attracted you to wanting to become? licensed in this? How did you feel it would help your practice and the, your clients?
1: Yeah. So I first learned about art because I had this amazing therapist next door to me named Allison Boyson. Um, and she has been trained in art since pretty close to the beginning of it becoming a thing. She used to live down in Florida where it really took off. And I would just hear her talk about all these amazing outcomes that she was having with clients. And I was very skeptical because I know that when you hear about art and the process, it Sounds very hokey in a way. Um, And so it wasn't until, you know, I had some clients with some trauma that I feel like we just weren't getting there um, with talk therapy that I wanted to send to her. And I said, okay, Allison, I'll let you try this art thing on them. And a couple of clients I sent and even a couple of close friends came back, completely changed, um, huge changes in their symptoms. And so I think that was the big motivator for me to go and get trained myself so that I wouldn't have to keep referring clients out. Um, So that was a huge benefit to my practice and to my clients. And then during the art training, interestingly enough, you get to kind of practice on your fellow participants. And so I had to go through my own art sessions during the training, which was really interesting. And I think increased buy-in of uh, I can tell clients, I know this sounds a little crazy, but I did it and it worked. So just got to trust me on this.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And to this day, do you feel like what you addressed is still, it's not something that you have to think about. It's just, it's no longer an issue.
1: Yeah, totally. So one of the examples that I did on my own in training was one time I was running and a dog came up behind me and jumped on my back and I was terrified. And I've never been the hugest fan of dogs because my mom also is very afraid (laughs) of dogs. And so I think that's something that she passed on to me. Though
0: you came home and who was your biggest
1: sympathizer? My mom. mom, Yes, there
0: was trauma for both of us just that that happened to you. So Yes. yes.
1: (laughs) So I did that situation. And ever since, I mean, right now, my husband and I are living in Asheville, which probably has more dogs than I've seen in my entire life. Um, And I don't have any kind of visceral reaction when I see a dog off leash or a dog, you know, is coming up to me. And that's something that would always kind of make my heart jump in the past. And so that's just Mm -hmm. a very small example of how art can change things.
0: So if I was to go on another bike trip, probably should do some ART about dogs before I go, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I you don't probably to, have but a but couple
1: past scenes that we could work through with that from your past experiences. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably, but I'm not doing another bike trip. So it's probably not necessary. But I can see that though, because I mean, my thing with dogs started when I was way younger, getting chased on my bike as a kid, you know? Right. So that stays with you, you know, forever. But yeah. yeah. So thanks for sharing that example with us. Um, about addiction, Liv, how do you think it really target, it could target addiction or have you used it to help anybody in addiction?
1: Yeah. So I have used art for all different things. So even though it was originally kind of evidence-based for trauma, we have seen that over time, it can be useful for almost anything, whether that's trauma, anxiety, depression. It's huge for grief. Um, I've done some performance anxiety with kids, which is really cool. A fun fact is that a lot of sports teams in Florida are having art therapists come join their kind of team of treatment and working with professional athletes on performance anxiety. Um, so there's that, and then there's OCD and then another big one is addiction. And that's something that is addressed more in the advanced and enhanced training that I haven't had the opportunity to go through yet. But you know, there's a lot of ways that I think it could aid recovery. Um, I think the first is kind of processing out past trauma that may have contributed to the addiction. Um, I think a lot of times people kind of turn to alcohol when there's really hard things going on in their life and they're not sure how to cope. And so sometimes if we can get to that root and maybe change in their mind what they reached for in that moment, that can be one thing. Um, another thing could be exploring the first and worst scenarios of their drinking. So maybe that really rock bottom moment or that first time that they maybe feel like they took it too far, um, to kind of work on any shame associated with drinking, because we know that when you feel a lot of shame and guilt about something, it can kind of continue to spiral you downwards. And so kind of addressing those thoughts and feelings there. Um, we also have something called the typical day protocol, which Um, is instead of focusing on something that happened in the past or a past scene, we have the person kind of envision a typical day that they struggle with their symptoms. Um, And so maybe that could be you see yourself morning to night, kind of facing what your triggers are for drinking, dealing with those thoughts and those temptations, um, and then kind of changing the way that you respond to those. Um, Um, An example of that, I think, is smokers. Something that will happen with them is if they are... Um, seeing themselves picking up a cigarette later in the art process, they might see themselves um, having the cigarette change into a worm. And so then whenever they go to pick up their cigarette, they see it as a worm. And so that kind of deters them from that. And that's kind of a silly example, but changing those images and those associations in your brain really does have a powerful impact.
0: So in, um, in our groups, we talk a lot about one of the best tools when you're triggered to drink is to play the tape forward and mm-hmm. you go into, you know, what does this look like if I decide to drink today? And it's not even about, it's, it goes past today. It's usually sets off, you know, cause tomorrow is gonna, you're going to feel like crap. And, you know, so we go through the whole thing and whether you decide to or not, you play the tape forward and look at both scenarios. And it sounds like, art could be kind of um, what you just explained, the two could be tied together, you know, like looking at what your triggers are and when they happen, different ways to to unpack them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think that really makes sense. I think in the typical day protocol, we see you kind of going through that, that worst case scenario. I know it's called the typical day Protocol. Um, I haven't worked with a ton of clients who are drinking on this, just because that's not really my specialty area. But I have had a couple sessions, um, and it's really. Um, I typically have people say like their worst day with their addiction, the day where everything goes wrong, and all you want to do is grab for alcohol. And so see all of that. See yourself making that decision and what it looks like. And then we go through the later steps of, you know, you're going to be the director now. I want you to change the day to be how you want it to be. And so that kind of does sound a lot like you're talking about with playing the tape forward and kind of making that a deeper ingrained process in your mind of the way that you want to see your life, Mm -hmm. the way that you want it to be.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, a lot of recovery is all about goal setting and, and looking ahead and trying not to look to the past, you know, and not getting stuck in old patterns. And I feel like this could be really, really helpful with that. So um would have been nice if you had known this about 10 years ago, but you know.
1: <laughs> I don't think I'd be quite old enough at 16 to <laughs> help you with that. But I mean you were a smarty pants, but yeah,
0: you're right. Probably not ready. yet And I probably wasn't ready to listen either. So right. You know.
1: And that's but, you know the biggest thing is there's a couple things with art that are important if you're considering it. Um you have to be able to hold a plot, which you know, that's a good criteria to check off. You have to be able to move your eyes back and forth. And the last is the biggest is you have to be motivated to change. And so someone going into an art session for their trauma or their drinking or whatever really has to be committed to making that change and ready to let go of what we call secondary gains. Anything that you might gain from staying stuck where you are. Um, And so I think that's an important thing, too, that you can work with your therapist to get to a place that you are ready to kind of move into that before Mm -hmm. doing art.
0: Back up a minute, explain what secondary gains is in your field, what you guys call what so what you address as secondary gains.
1: Yeah, so um, kind of like I said, a secondary gain is anything that someone might consciously or unconsciously kind of see as a benefit of, you know, staying sick or stuck where they are. And so an example of that could be with drinking, you know, maybe every time, you know, they mess up, they feel like they get a ton of sympathy and attention and help from the people around them, which is awesome. And we want that and we want people to have that community, but we don't want people to keep drinking for that kind of reassurance Mm -hmm. that they get if that happens, or maybe they're not ready to let go of that kind of escape feeling that they get from drinking. And that could be a secondary gain too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though the consequences for all of it aren't great, but in their mind, they see it as at least I get this type of right. thing.
1: And like mm-hmm. I said, it could be completely unconscious too. And so I think it can be helpful to work with a therapist and kind of assessing your readiness for change before going mm-hmm. into this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that brings me to a question that we didn't really talk about um, before we got started, but we say in um, she surrenders in the groups often, the importance of therapy when you're recovering. Like our community, we can support you with um, faith-based teaching and our own stories and support you. And there's there's huge relief in being in a community where someone can say to you, I know how you feel. But we've also, um, as ad, the admins of the group have been trying to stress the importance of seeking therapy in recovery, mm-hmm. because you're not just putting down your substance, you know, whatever that is for you. Because I feel like when you get sober, all the things that you've been dealing with, with alcohol or a drug are in your face. And you've got to figure out a new way to deal with them. And I think that going to therapy is a good way to find that resolution, you know, so I just think that that's really important. And as a therapist, I, I would like you to speak into that and, you know, um, talk about the importance of that.
1: Yeah, I think you made a lot of good points that it is hugely important. And one example that kind of comes to my mind, that is obviously very different, but I think it kind of paints a good parallel is if you know you had cancer, heaven forbid, I would want you to be in a cancer support group, you know, to talk about what it's like to have cancer and how you get through it and how you support each other. But that doesn't change the need to go to an oncologist who has the tools and the treatment and the next steps that are evidence based and proven to kind of help you get out of that. And so I think Mm -hmm. therapy can be kind of the same way. You want people around you who understand how you feel and what you're going through. And you can kind of troubleshoot together things that are working and things that aren't. But therapy is so helpful because it's like, you know, we're not doctors. Some of us are, some of us aren't. But you're going to get those tangible treatment steps and that kind of objective view of things.
0: Mm -hmm. And kind of like healing the whole, the whole person you know, not just healing my substance abuse, but healing, you know, whether you need help with trauma or, you know, just self-esteem, you you know, you name it. There's a million things that we could all work on in addiction and out of addiction. So yeah.
1: Substance abuse is never the whole person. There's always more to someone than the substances that they are using or their addiction.
0: Definitely. Definitely agree. And you said you had some resources that you were um, going to give me to direct people further if they wanted to know more about this.
1: Yeah. So Lainey actually recently came out with her book. It is called Too Good to Be True. So you can get that on Amazon um, and read up about kind of her story. It kind of mixes her own story in with how she developed art and more about art. Um, There's the International Society of um, Accelerated Resolution Therapy website that is .is www.is-art.org. They have a lot of helpful research articles and they have a find an art therapist tool, which can be really helpful. And then there's also acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com that has a lot of helpful resources as well as another find a therapist tool. Um, If you're looking for a general therapist who may or may not be trained in ART, I always recommend PsychologyToday.com, and they have a find a therapist tool there where you can filter by your insurance, what you're struggling with, your location, and it's really helpful to reach out to therapists from there.
0: No, oh, yeah, you've I you've given me that often when um, people have asked for reference to a therapist, and I'm really impressed with that website. And that is also if they have questions for you or want to get in touch with you to just go through psychology today to through your profile there, they can contact you that way.
1: Yeah. Go ahead and shoot me an email from there. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to connect.
0: Okay. And to be clear, you're not going to answer any questions about me, right? To be determined. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's nothing, there's nothing good. It's all out there already. So right. Anyway, but well, do you have anything else that you want to, um, share with our audience? And, um,
1: Yeah, I don't don't think so. Other than what's the worst that could happen if you tried it? I don't think it's going to, you know, make things worse. And I haven't had that experience yet. I think one more note that I had is, you know, any clients that I've done this with at the beginning and the end of the session, we ask about their subjective units of distress, 10 being the worst. The situation causes me a lot of distress. It's really hard to deal with zero meaning no distress. I can handle easily. And on average, i clients go from a seven or an eight to about a two in one hour. And so again, mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen if you go and start talking to someone?
0: Right, right. I, I love that advice, Liv, because it's so true. We often make up things to be so big in our mind when really, is it really going to hurt? No, not at right. all. And I think it could be a really good thing. So
1: yeah. And I also always recommend, you know, if you go to one therapist and you don't click with them after about three sessions, it's okay to try someone else. Research shows us that about 80% of any improvement that happens in therapy is largely due to the therapeutic relationship. And so it is important to find a therapist who you feel like you can be open and honest with. And if that isn't the first person you try, that's okay. Keep trying. It is worth it.
0: Yeah, we we do talk about that a little bit because it's hard when you... You know, a lot of times the first time you meet with a therapist, how many times should you give it when you meet with a therapist to kind of, if you're not, how many times should you date your therapist (laughs) before you're like, realize you're not a match?
1: Yeah. I usually say about three sessions. I mean, if there is some glaring red flags in the first session that really, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of give you an icky feeling, then of course don't stick around. Um, Just like there's bad doctors, there's bad therapists too. So I usually recommend about three sessions just to see if the relationship is a good fit. Um, but yeah, it's totally okay to date a couple therapists and go from there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend seeing multiple therapists at one time, stick with one at a time, but go on from there.
0: Yeah. What's good. Um, what's good wording if it doesn't work out with a therapist? Um, I have I've had women ask me, like, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know how to get out of this. And right. It sounds funny, but I've been in that situation before. And I mean, I don't think I've ever been honest. I think I've been more like, you know. Yeah, a
1: lot of times we as therapists just get ghosted. Um, just <laughs> they just stop replying to our emails. But you know, personally, I will never take it the wrong way if a client just says, Hey, like, I don't think like we are the right fit. And um, do you have any other referrals? And I always tell my clients that in the first session of, you know, if you don't feel like we're a good fit after a couple sessions, please tell me, I will help you find someone who will be a better fit. I can give you other referrals. And I think mm-hmm. like, that's another sign of a good therapist is that they don't take that personally, because just like, we're yeah. not going to be friends with everyone in the world. We're not going to be a match with every therapist and every therapist isn't going to be a match for every client.
0: So true. So true. Thanks, love. That's great advice. So, well, I can't thank you enough for taking. Yeah, the time thanks to for having that. me. This was fun. Yeah, to talk about it ART really all fun. day long. I know you could. <laughs> <laughs> There's many times that we get done talking, and I'm like, I wish I would have just recorded that. But um, no, I'm impressed. And one thing that I don't think you mentioned, you can do ART over telehealth. Correct.
1: Yes, you can. I am doing it exclusively virtually right now, which is really cool. I can still only see clients in Michigan because that's where I'm licensed, but there should be art providers in just about any state. So even if there isn't one in your town, um, hopefully you can find someone in your state who's willing to do it virtually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Good. Well, thank you, Miss Olivia. I am so glad that we could do this this morning and I'm so proud of you and honored to share you with um, she Surrenders listeners. And I have a feeling we might have you back here again. Just saying, you never know, right?
1: Never know. Thanks for having me. I'm proud of you as well, mom. Uh, thanks,
0: honey. Thanks for listening. I invite you to she where you will find your community for faith-based recovery. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, and subscribe. Thanks again. And we'll see you back here soon.